Welcome to the America's Podcast. I am John Schroeder, and today I am joined by Lee Kenneman. Lee Kenneman currently serves as our mayor here in America's Georgia. Mr. Lee, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Just Lee. Yeah, just, just Lee? Lee. Okay. Yeah, just um, Lee. And you can, you know, I, someone asked the other day, what is the least favorite thing about being the mayor? And I said, being the mayor, <laughs> you know, uh, I guess yeah. air quotes, being the mayor. You know, That's right. I, I'm really not into all of that. So I, mm -hmm. I would like to be Lee. Yeah. And because that's who I am. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, students used to call me K-Dog and, <laughs> and uh, some still do. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not really much on the titles and all yeah. that kind of no, stuff. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So, but so, I know I have to do it because yeah. part, we'll talk about it, I know, but part of the thing about being mayor is that there is an expectation to perform those uh, ceremonial duties and, and mm -hmm. you know, the public needs a mayor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm still learning because I'm, I'm from the north. My family is. Come down to the south. Been living in the south for a long time. And, you know, Mr. and Mrs., all of that, oh, yeah. you know. And yeah. so I've, I've been integrated into that. And yeah. now, as I, even as I'm getting older and, and meeting others, or, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, okay, I don't know yeah. which etiquette I'm supposed to follow. But you just, I start off with Mr. <laughs> and then we go from there. That's so, um, no, so thank you so much for coming on. So, I actually met you. I ran into you at yes. uh, Cafe Campesino. Yeah, now Sweet um, Georgia. Yeah, Sweet Georgia, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was just sitting there with my kids, and we were having fun. We were actually looking at houses uh, to buy here. Yeah. Um, and I saw you, and, and, and you noticed us, and you kind of leaned over, and, and you took the risk of kind of building a new relationship and started yeah. to introduce yourself. And we just kind of started talking, and I was like, man, this guy's great what a way to, to welcome into, uh, to us into this community and then we started kind of doing the contact information of how do I get to know yeah. you a little bit more and then I recognized okay this is this is Lee Kenneman this is also the mayor <laughs> and I said wow what a great representative for this city and yeah. so I was so encouraged by that we talked a little bit on the phone and I would just love I mean you you were elected mayor in November Right. And so c tell us a little bit of the story of Lee Kenneman growing up, um, summers, holidays here in Americus, all the way to becoming an elected mayor uh, in Americus. Yeah. Um, and I was elected on my birthday, actually. That's awesome. November the 2nd this year was elect, or last year was election day. So yeah. it was kind of a special birthday. Um, so I am not an insider, nor am I an outsider. I'm an insider-outsider. Um, I, I, I guess I'm, you know, I kind of think of the character, uh, Nick Carraway in, uh, Gatsby and the great Gatsby, F. Scott Fitzgerald's great novel and, and the sense of a sort of, um, insider outsider, you know, looking in, but being on the outside, being involved, but being sort of on the outside. And I think our position, Karen and I, my wife, we, we, neither one of us grew up here in the sense of going to school and, you know, I didn't attend the, the local schools. I didn't have, you know, a number of childhood friends here. I had a few, you know, coming here and staying with my grandmother. But I, so I'm a bit of an outsider. Mm -hmm. And yet, I come from a family that's been here for, you know, I'm the sixth generation. My children are seventh generation wow. Sumter Countyans. And... And on our street, you know, they are, um, they're the sixth generation. I'm the fifth to live on Church Street wow. in a house that was built for my grandparents. So I'm really a sort of, you know, the, the epitome of an insider in a way, mm -hmm. generationally speaking. 
on my mother's side of the family. And yet I'm an outsider because I didn't technically grow up here and attend school and do the things that my friends here did. Yeah. Uh, people you know, like Bill Harris and his brother Lee and mm. Charles Chris, people like that who grew up here. Yeah. Childhood yeah. friends. Um, so it gives a certain perspective, I think, a mm -hmm. certain, um, a, a sort of macro view maybe of things. I can see things a little bit in, in a broader sense than somebody who actually yeah. grew up. Did you, did you enjoy coming to America like when you were being a yeah. kid and, and becoming part, part yeah. of that? Yeah, and, so. I, and I was steeped in the, in the family's role in establishing this place because my family uh, played a, a fairly significant role in the founding of the community and oh wow um, and you know they were owners of businesses and uh, civic leaders and and bankers and investors and you know all those sorts of things that people of of the privilege that they enjoyed mm. uh, in the 19th and 20th century allowed them to do and they and their role that they played here and we're blessed with um, a lot of the artifacts and the archives and you know I live people tell me I live in a museum so yeah uh, um, and we do in a, in a sense our house is somewhat of a museum of local history and family history yeah. um, furnishings that go back into the into uh, first uh, uh, part of the 20th but even earlier into the 19th century uh, mid 19th wow. century so and wow. things that have been handed down so I grew up um, again steeped in the history and largely because I was the grandson of a wonderful storyteller my grandmother uh, Laura Ansley Hale born in 1894 and she died in 1991 at the age of 97 wow. perfect mental condition health the whole time um, was the consummate southern lady storyteller you know the 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 little old lady who likes to tell the stories about the family. So I grew up hearing all of these things. Mm. And as though I knew these people. So the ancestors that, that are you know, on the family tree, and we have, but we have letters and we have diaries and we have their writings and their editorials that they published in the newspaper and we have their, so wow. you can kind of get to know them. I was looking for example this morning at a collection of letters that my great-great-grandfather, Major Moses Spear wrote uh, when he was in Europe in 1889 at the Paris Exposition, he had been in England uh, with my uh, great aunt Carrie, my great grandmother's sister. Um, they had traveled to England and stayed in England for a period of time and then went to France during the time of the Great Exposition, International Exposition of 1889, which is when the Eiffel Tower was yeah. erected. Wow. So, well, there's this wonderful series of letters back to Americas, some of them published in the newspaper here, um, Travelers Abroad and different titles where this man uh, is telling people home, back home, his townspeople, you know, yeah. here's what we're doing in, in Europe and here's what we're seeing and it's kind of seeing Paris at this incredible period of 1889 um, through the eyes of an America's man, you know, yeah, who yeah. is my who happens to who happened to be my great great grandfather. But I have those letters, so they're yeah. these primary sources. So, growing up knowing the stories and being kind of embedded in that rich history, mm -hmm. um, gave me 
a kind of insider view and yet, mm -hmm. you know, an insider credentials, creds, yeah. and yet I'm an outsider mm -hmm. still because I grew up in Atlanta. I mean, I was born in St. Joseph's Hospital mm -hmm. uh, in Atlanta and grew up. My parents were, you know, moved to the burbs, suburbs, East Point area. Uh, East Point is where I went to school, public school, Fulton County Public Schools. And uh, the East Point College Park, hateful area, Tri Cities, mm -hmm. and that's where you know my childhood, yeah, yeah, largely took place. And so, uh, what was it like for your parents? So, I guess your parents then moved out of Americas to go. To well, the my father was actually from Cartersville, so okay. it's only on my mother's side okay. that I have the the generational connection okay. to Americas. Yeah, my father's people. I always joke. Uh, my father was the first person in his family to attend college. He did so on the GI Bill. Okay. Uh, he was uh, 16 when he enlisted. He had to get permission from his parents to wow. enlist in the U.S. Navy. Went overseas, I think he was 17, when he actually um, went on board the USS Chincoteague and sailed through the Pacific throughout the war. Um, was at Iwo Jima and did all those things. So I grew up with a, uh, a man, Ray Kenneman, who, you know, my name's like I'm I'm Raymond Lee Kenneman Jr. He's Raymond Lee Kenneman Sr. Yeah. So Daddy was uh, 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 born in 1925. Okay. Um, the, the, the progeny of, of uh, hardworking, largely railroad men. They, were, okay. they worked for railroads in the northern part of our state, including the famous Western and Atlantic, one of the first railroad lines in the wow. state between Atlanta and Chattanooga. I have ancestors. But they were not owners. They were not yeah. investors. They were not uh, presidents. They were track workers, and they were conductors, and they were engineers and mechanics and people who did the, the really hard, back-breaking work. My father came from that world. He married into a world where the people owned the railroad. So, right, they were bankers yeah. and investors in railroads. Um, College-educated back into the 19th century, the women in my family had been educated since the 1830s. Wow. Um, Wesleyan, they were devout mm -hmm. Methodists and they uh, were educated at, at Wesleyan Female College in Macon. And the men went to Emory College yeah. in those years at Oxford. So it, they, it was a very different, you know, two very different people. My father breaking away from that um, uh, background of no college, no opportunities. The GI Bill provided him and it's a great American story. I mean, mm -hmm. my father was a beneficiary of the GI Bill. He told me one time, he said, I said, wasn't World War II a terrible thing? You know, was it? He said, yes, of course, it was horrible, and I witnessed terrible things, and it was frightening, but it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because the benefits that accrued from my uh, enlisting in the U.S. Navy and serving and being able to go to college, get educated, and then have a life wow. you know, beyond Cartersville, Bartow County, Georgia. Yeah, that's right. In our, our brief conversations, yeah. just your ability to uh, be vulnerable, to take risks, to, to build new relationships. Where do you think mm -hmm. that that came from as you grew up? I mean, are there people in your life that really just encouraged you or mm -hmm. were there certain things that took place that uh, just kind of helped build that, that character in you? Ray Kenneman, my father, never met a stranger. That's awesome. So, you know, living kind of in his orbit, <laughs> He was a big personality. He was flawed. Yeah. You know, he was not perfect. There were there were a lot of problems with with my father and and growing up in that house. But the one thing that he was, um, he was. 
he, he loved everyone. He was able to make a connection on a, on a very real and meaningful level with just, I've ne I never saw him unable to communicate with people. Wow. Uh, he was a great communicator. He was in the radio business. He was, he, he trained, his training was in uh, broadcast journalism, so he was a radio guy. And um, we're fortunate there's still some recordings of, of him uh, doing one of those barn dance. He was country music DJ, you yeah. know, so the barn dance shows, you know, introducing Patsy Cline and other people like that in, in the Metro Atlanta East Point Auditorium, in fact, um, in the 1950s and early 60s. And so he's this radio guy, he was this big personality. If you talk to my friends in East Point, the guys, young women I grew up with, you know, mm -hmm. people I grew up with, they loved my daddy. They loved Ray Kenneman because he was this incredible presence and personality. Mm -hmm. So undoubtedly my extroverted nature, my ability to talk and talk too much came from him. Yeah. Because in him I, I saw um, a person who never met a stranger. He never, he, he, and he, he had this uncanny ability to really, it seemed to me, connect with people people he had just met, he, perfect strangers to him. Yeah. And this is why my, my friends growing up in childhood loved him. Yeah, They loved him because he honored them. I mean, he didn't talk, you know, you talk to them, they'll tell you this. Yeah, He didn't talk down to us. He was really interested in what we had to say. He, he really seemed to care about what we thought. Mm -hmm. He talked about books and music with them, you know. Mm -hmm. He loved an audience, he loved dinner. He was a very funny guy. He yeah. did voices. Yeah. He imitated people. I mean, he was just an, a performer. Mm. And um, so I kind of, I guess I got that, um, that uh, some of that charisma, some of, you know, it, 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 uh, it affected me, I guess, in the sense twofold that it gave mm -hmm. me a kind of confidence and I had a model of it. Yeah. But, but also living in that shadow in a sense. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, yeah kind of stepping into that, stepping into your, to your own, you know, unique, Identity. individual, yeah. 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 Um, he was a cheerleader for me, though. No matter what I did, I mean, I could um, play something on the piano, just some, and I'm not a pianist. I studied theory and composition, used the piano just to compose, but I would play a little, some little throwaway line or something, you know, just some in, in noodling. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. You need to do something with that. You know, I like the way that sounds. I mean, he was... He was not a musician. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mother was. She was she was a pretty well trained pianist and wow. would put me in the bathtub when I was a little Ansley too, my sister. And we would shrivel, it'd look like prunes, children, <laughs> you know, having bath time. And mama would be in the living room playing Chopin and Rock Mononoff and Yeah. You know, Chopin preludes and, and uh yeah. you know, so I had this musical education from the bathtub. You know, listen to my mother play the piano. And she was entertaining too. She was more, a more serious sort. She had a good sense of humor. She wouldn't have been able to be with my father as long as she was had she not had a good sense of yeah, humor. Yeah, yeah, she had to keep up Because he bit. was never serious. Yeah. Right, he was never, you could never, you never knew if he was being, and so I'm the same way. Mm. It really, that part of me, my students would tell you, like former students, classroom situation, we never know if he's being serious or not. Yeah. You know, there's always that kind of, uh, I always want to mess with people, I suppose, and play and, and joke, you know, and, uh, and, I, and say things that kind of put people off guard a bit. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have that. It comes from Ray. Ray Kenneman gave all that to me. <laughs> yes. Because he did all of that. <laughs> so so you, 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 you go to uh, college, and then you, you, you make your way to America. So how, how did you... How did you go from okay? I'm not going to take this route, but I'm going to I'm going to take this route instead. And then <laughs> so, what, the, what led to that? The same problem. Okay. So you know what do you do with with the Swanee liberal arts education? I mean, what do I do? I mean, I'd read, you know, uh, like one of my classes was uh, Augustine, Aquinas, and Luther. Yeah. Right. So I mean, you can imagine, and 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 the key readings in between those three touched on you know the big boulders that you're stepping from, you know, yes. one to the other, and all of the materials in between. So, but what do you do with that? Well, you know, um, I knew I had to have a job. I mean, I, I, we were not wealthy to the, you know, I mean, we, we were comfortable, but we were never to the point where I could just say, well, I think I'll, you know, read Augustine or I'll, I'll go and do whatever. I mean, yeah. you know, have no means of support. Now, I knew I had to do something. And I thought, well, what do you do with this? I enjoy reading. I, I'm in, I enjoy writing. I like to think about things, solve problems, mental gymnastics, all that. Law school, or maybe pursue a, 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 a theology degree or PhD at Harvard in religion, which I looked at that. Took the GRE, took the LSAT, decided law school. Okay, so I began. I did an internship with the state supreme court of, jo of Georgia. I worked for Chief Justice. Uh, Marshall, who um, Tom Marshall, who was is from America, he came from America. So I was his intern uh, for a summer, and worked for the public defender in Fulton County for a summer, and you know, wow. trying to get an understanding of law. Got into you know senior year, eleventh hour, kind of once again, had been admitted to law school. You know, was paid the deposit, in fact, you know to the University of Georgia. I, I had been admitted Emory in University of Georgia, so we wanted to go to Georgia. Paid the deposit. Um, was home for that summer. This was 1987. It would have been in the early summer of 87 when I graduated from Swanee. And the phone rang, and Dean Brown Patterson, I mentioned him to you, he, was, uh, he had studied under C.S. Lewis at, at uh, Oxford. Anyway, Brown Patterson called and the dean of the college, and he said, uh, uh, how, how would you like to come back and be assistant director of admission at Swanee University? And we had already paid your deposit now. I'd already made up my mind. I said, sure, I would love to do that. I guess I need to come up and meet with you. He said, yes, we need you to come and talk with us, and yada, yada, yada. So I think, oh, my God. What did I just, I hung up the phone. This is in the days of the kitchen phone, you know, with the long cord and all that. That's right. So, so I hang the phone up and I thought, uh-oh. You know, so I walked into uh, the living room. My mother, I'll never forget, she was in the living room reading the newspaper at the time. And I said, um, Mama, how would it be if we gave up the deposit to Georgia, which was a you know fairly sizable amount of money for the time, and uh, I and and I said you know that was Brown Patterson, Dean Brown Patterson at Swanee, and he wants me to come in interview and take a job as assistant director of admission, and she never even took the paper down, she simply said I never really thought she wanted to be a lawyer anyway. <laughs> Never moved the paper, and I thought, how awful. Why didn't you say something? You know, why didn't you? Mm -hmm. And late, years later, she told me, she said, it was not my place to mm -hmm. direct your life at that point. You had to make up, you had to find your way yourself. 
Yeah. Which I did. So I went back to Swanee. In the meantime, Karen graduated. Another reason probably I wanted to go back to Swanee was she was three years behind me. You know, she hadn't graduated yet. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I was in love. We were in love. I mean, it sounds quaint and, mm -hmm. you know, corny, but, but Karen and I have loved each other for 32 years now. Longer than that, actually. We've known each other a good bit longer than that. So. Wow. Um, but, so I don't go to law school. And I began working in the admission office at the University of the South. Um, I do some traveling, um, even up north. When I remember one trip to Indianapolis, and I left later than I should have. I flew out of Nashville and uh, arrived in the snow. The plane lands, it's getting toward dark, and the snow is just falling, you know. And I'm thinking, oh dear Lord, I don't know how to drive in the snow. <laughs> Because <laughs> at Swanee, when it snowed, I just wouldn't drive. I mean, I didn't know anything about it. I came out of Atlanta and South Georgia. I didn't know anything about driving. <laughs> That's so, right. So, and this was in the days before cell phones and GPS and all that manner of stuff. So, you know, you're on your own. You have a gumstick map, you know. Yeah. Somebody had written, you know, magic marker directions on there. <laughs> so you're trying to hold this and drive in the snow. So anyway, long story short, I did the admission deal. And what I began realizing, though, was that I, I thoroughly enjoyed working, talking with teenagers who were looking at their next steps. Mm. As bad as I am at it, I was able, it seemed, to coach people in their you know, decision-making process so, and interviewing them and all that. Swanee's a competitive school, so you know, it's kind of a regular interview, and mm -hmm. you know, we have an admission review committee and all that kind of stuff. So, but I enjoyed it. The thing I enjoyed most was what we're doing right now, just the, mm -hmm. you know, conversation. I would be the one interviewing, though, right? And letting, <laughs> yeah. and listen. But we would, I would often find myself wanting to talk about the books that they had read or the ideas that they had or their direction academically that they were, their interests, yeah. especially when they were in the humanities, of course. I, I didn't have as much to say about people who were energized by math and science. Yeah. No offense to yeah. those who... Who love it, but yeah. my my bag was history and and yeah. especially history of thought, thinking, mm -hmm. you know, ideas. So we did. I did that, and uh, I, increasingly, I began to think I really want a an extended time to do this. I don't want to just have a an hour long interview a couple mm -hmm. of times a week with, you know, a student. I, I want to be engaged in the in the real nitty gritty, the real process of teaching and learning. Yeah. And that's, that was it. I found, finally found my way. So Karen graduated yeah. in 1990. We were married uh, in June, June the 2nd of, um, of 1990. And we moved here the 1st of July. Okay. And uh, we didn't have teaching credentials because Swanee didn't, you know, it's a liberal arts college. There was no school of education at Swanee. So we had to go to Georgia Southwestern and take some education courses, pedagogy. Yep. And then got hired on in Sumter County Schools, and, you know, 30 years later, here I sit. Yeah. Well, so. I, I'm really interested. I love the fact, I mean, there are certain people that are really good at basic introductions, and they're, you know, they're energetic, uh, they're engaging, uh, but it seems to me that it's, that's, that's only a part of what you're so good at doing is it's not just, hey, I want to get to know you, but like there's, there's more to it. I want yeah. to get, I want to get deeper into that level. Where yeah. do you think that that comes from? Just not just 
just saying hi and being energetic for the first 30 seconds, but yeah. a deep need. I mean, you're taking students, you're trying to help them figure out their deepest questions. Yeah. You're wanting to get, where do you think that comes from? Because I despise small talk. Yeah. I really despise small talk. I'm not very good at it. Mm -hmm. And that might be uh, a certain social awkwardness. I really don't do well at small talk. Yeah. I, I really do want to know um, what you're thinking. I mean, I want to know who you are. Yeah as a human being and what your ideas are. And to exchange ideas seems mm. to me to be one of the joys of this life. That it's yeah. a blessing we've been given. Um, I think God wants us to think and to ponder important questions. I don't think we were, we're meant to be robots. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, we shouldn't be on autopilot mm -hmm. just cruising through the world. I think we're, we're called to look into deep complex questions mm -hmm. and grapple yes. with them. Yes. So in my study of religion and philosophy, that energized me. And it energizes me when I have those conversations with people. Yes. And the back and forth give and take of ideas. Um, and I just don't like small, I don't think, mm -hmm. I think we're more than small talk. I yeah. think we're more than the, the recent score, or the weather, you mm -hmm. know, um, where, where are you going for vacation? I mean, I just think we're more than that. Yeah. I mean, I love music. I love art. I love literature. I, you know, history. Um, I, I'm energized by those things. I also like to fish and hunt. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I can do, you yeah. know, I do have some basis. Yeah, yeah. Be a guy, you know, That's and right. all that kind of stuff. But even those um, activities take time and they, you know, they yeah. take effort. You know, it's not just something you can just walk out and shoot something or fish. No. You, you might be out there for hours just engaging into yeah. that. Um, and I, it's I, meditation I, for me. I mean, it's a time for me to get out of my head. Yeah. And walking a trout stream in the North Georgia mountains yeah. is, a, is a form of, well, it's a spiritual practice, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it can be. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things, too, I'm so encouraged by you and your story, but I'm also, because it's one of the things that I'm looking forward to as well. I'm not, I'm not that well with small talk. I, I, I try to do the best that I can, but it's, it's the reality that I, I feel like one of the crises that we're having is, is that we don't, we don't know how to people anymore. There, there's a relational yeah. crisis that's going yes. on, and we're losing sense of, we're making so much of our relationships just transactional. What can you do for me? Yes. What can I do for you? Yes. And once that's done, or I don't feel like I'm getting something from you, then I'm going to go find another group of friends or, or another relationship to continue this transaction and instead that's, of this. That's very, uh, it, it appeals to us, that transactional mm -hmm. process of, of thinking of friendships in that way, mm -hmm. because we're so programmed. Yeah. You know, we're in a consumer society. Consumerism, it has a effects at, at many levels, and it can be spiritually stultifying because we look at, well, prosperity religion is all about mm -hmm. that, isn't it? I mean, it's the sort of put the coin in the gumball machine, do the mm -hmm. right thing, and God rewards you. Mm -hmm. You know, probably need to look at Job a little more closely. Yeah. You know? And what that faith relationship looked like, mm -hmm. what, because that was not a—I mean, that wasn't transactional at all. All bets are off on that, right? Yeah. So it's a good—it's yeah. a good story to look at and yeah. think and ponder that. I think we're called to do that. But I—I I thought about, in fact, in the truck on the way over here, I was thinking about you know what neighborliness looks like, which we, you know, it's a, an important concept to me and something that I campaigned on. 
And then I started thinking about the pay it forward movement, mm-hmm. which I don't necessarily, I don't want to hate on the pay it forward, the idea, but, he, but that itself, it has a transactional mm. sort of overtone, doesn't it, or, or nature to it. I don't even like the idea of pay it forward. Like, yeah. I did this for you, now you need to go and do it mm-hmm. for somebody else. At least yeah. not in that sense. Yeah, yeah. It is, I, I am risking something, whether there's no return, because that's just who I am, and yeah. that's what I want to continue to promote. Yeah. And So um, if you don't pay it forward, okay, mm-hmm. I'm still going to give this time, this effort, this tow, this ride, this yeah. pay your grocery event, whatever the, whatever the pay it, you know, I'll do it yeah. with no expectation. Yes. Yeah. Um, because that's really the nature of grace, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. that it's a gift freely given. Yeah. And um, all we're called to do is to receive it with love, with gratitude, just to receive it, open yourself to the gift. Mm-hmm which is the hardest thing, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really the most difficult part of all of it is to accept it. It's easy to give. It's more, more difficult, I think, to receive. Mm-hmm. We're awkward mm-hmm. when we receive. Yes, yes. Because we don't think we deserve it. <laughs> and, we, and we don't, and yet we do, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're good. Yeah. Human being, you deserve love freely given. I mean, the most important thing we can do for our children is to teach them how to love unconditionally. Yeah. It's very difficult to mm-hmm. do. Yes. Yeah. You know, we talked about C.S. Lewis, the four loves and mm-hmm. the, the levels, the different types or phases. He, he didn't really use phases because you're, we're in and out of those categories maybe of love, but that transactional love, which is, it tends to be a perversion of storge, which is the love you have for the pet, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds you, right? Mm-hmm. So, but often we have that level of love with our friends and neighbors and even our family members. It's transactional, like you, how dare you do this to me because I've done all of these things for you. Mm-hmm. And I fall pray to that. Yeah. We, you catch yourself doing it, being resentful of someone that you've done something for because, oh, well, look how he's treating me. I mean, I did all of this for you, and yet here you are. This is how you return the favor. Yeah, yeah. And that's, it, 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 what, who, who's damaged in that? Because mm-hmm. you're all wrapped up in what you think you deserve. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. So if, if, I mean, if, if certain things like culture or whatever it may be is, is leaning heavily on uh, whether it's consumerism or transactional, how, how do you, where does that come from from you, that unconditional aspect? Um, needing it myself and finding it in unexpected places. Um, I'm going to get emotional thinking about this because this is, it is emotional for me. Um, you know, through the church, the, the teachings of the church and I have been blessed to have um, known saintly priests in my life who helped form my thinking in terms of my faith and, and I don't know, just uh, relationships with certain priests have been so beneficial to me and mm. helping me to um, see beyond the intellectual faith. I mean, you know, I had the background in, in theology, philosophy and so forth at Swanee but more an experience of faith mm. and the modeling of what it means to be Christ-like. 
what that really looks like. And it's not something um, abstract and otherworldly. And, you know, we think of the, you know, Renaissance and medieval and Renaissance paintings of figures from the Bible and Jesus, the Holy Family, you know, and the halos and everything. And so that's not it at all. And I, I really, I'm attracted, interestingly, to the paintings of Caravaggio. I don't know if you know who he, he was a very earthy Italian painter who did a lot of religious scenes that were very controversial in the day because he would take a beggar off the street. He would take a thief. He himself had a very checkered sort of life. You know, he was involved, you know, in and out of legal trouble. And, you know, he was, he was a, a real human being, a yeah. real person. And he yeah. painted, he wanted people to understand the earthiness of the faith and not that it's some sort of otherworldly, ethereal, kind of removed, completely, wholly transcendent. Mm -hmm. Because that really isn't our faith. I mean, mm -hmm. it's God becomes incarnate. God mm -hmm. is incarnate in this world. Mm -hmm. And it's in the world, it's in this, that we meet the divine. Yeah. And it's here, it's right here. Yeah. Um, so, and, and so that's why I guess I like those paintings, Caravaggio's painting, because they're very, yeah, yeah they're, they're gritty. And, um, so anyway, um, I think that, that as far as um, a faith journey or a spiritual understanding of my role, maybe, I guess, is when we connect with people on a real level, we get, we, we get away from small talk, we move away from superficial, guarded conversations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked with you about fear. Fear is the, it, it, fear is the enemy. You know, fear, trying to protect yourself, mm -hmm. trying to justify yourself, trying to defend yourself, trying to look good so that you don't lose credibility. Yeah. Whatever, whatever those fears, fear of loss, fear of, of failure, fear of having no money, fear of scarcity, all of those things driving those, they drive bad behaviors. Mm and they destroy relationships. We cannot have a good relationship if we're living in a, in a state of fear, paranoia. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you're always gonna be what, fighting or fleeing? Yes. Fight or yes. flight. Yeah. So I've, I've talked with you before about mm -hmm. this notion of fight or flight. In the classroom, it comes down to this. If I do not have a good relationship with students, one in which they trust me and I trust them, and we develop even a, a kind of loving relationship for each other, mm. where they really want to be there, and I want them there, and I miss them when they're not there, and I miss the interactions we have in the classroom, and I'm entertained by them, and they're entertained by me. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a joyfulness to it. Yeah. Right? Learning yeah, should right. be joyful. That's right. It should, should be entertaining. Now, I don't mean in a cheap you know, yeah. video games sense, sense mm -hmm. of things, but there ought to be, we should get passionate about, you know, what we're learning. That's right. Be passionate about it. So I realized that if I can create an environment, and I think I just did it sort of just because, but if, if you create an environment in which there is that um, engagement in the subject in a very passionate way, you share your passions, you're loving to them, you, you, you're, you're not so fragile that you can't take the abuse of a, tart mouth teenager, mm -hmm. 
right? If you, if you bruise easily, you probably don't need to work with teenagers because they'll, they'll wound you. Yeah, you they'll, know. they'll test you. They'll test you. I mean, they'll, they'll look at you and say, you, you know, your hair looks like you have a toupee on today, Mr. Mm -hmm. Kimmel, whatever. I mean, they're terrible. They're terribly insulting. Or they'll say, you know, you've gained weight or whatever, you know. So if you take yourself too seriously, if you mm -hmm. bruise too easily, mm -hmm. if you're all into your own ego and yeah. self-aggrandizing energy, you know, mm -hmm. then you're not going to do real well, not just in the classroom, but I would say anywhere. I mean, if, if, yeah. if you can't, so if you can't laugh at yourself, yeah. the other thing Ray Kahneman taught me was laugh. Mm -hmm. Have a good time. Life, you know, there's a lot of funny stuff. <laughs> It's a lot of funny stuff out here. Yeah. People yeah. are funny. You're funny. You do silly things. So laugh at yourself. Yeah. Be able to, in, in a good, healthy, constructive way, laugh when they laugh. Mm -hmm. Right? Laugh with them mm -hmm. at things. So, yeah. So anyway. So uh, tell, me, tell me a little relationship. bit about, so, because I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your story and, and there's parts of it that, I mean, we know that relationships are messy. They just are, oh, especially yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, they're always messy, but like you said, even with students, like they're just kind of testing the waters. They're trying to see oh, if yeah. you're going to stick around because a lot of the relationships that they may have broken. are broken, and they know what brokenness looks like. Yes. They know, they know, but they haven't seen a lot of reconciliation. They haven't seen a lot of redemption in those relationships. They just kind of, because yeah. they're so transaction, they're, well, once I'm done, but what you're doing and what, what you're promoting just in your being is, I need to be vulnerable, but also vulnerable in messy places. So I'm gonna be wounded yeah. a lot, but I need to take that to create a space for people to know that it is safe so that we can go into these deeper conversations yeah. because I care about the individual that's past all of that kind of yeah. small talk. How do we get a little bit deeper? And it seems to me that you, you carried that on to the students uh, and just through your time here, um, and so what, what does that look like even as you transition to mayor? Do you feel like that's kind of a, kind of been a staple of you of, of people saying, yeah. you know, I really trust, you know, Lee Kenneman? You don't give up on people, I think is the key. Um, yeah. I think going back to the classroom, I can think of a lot of times um, that I had a particularly difficult student behavioral problems, you know. Um, and I would pull them out or have them after class or whatever and talk with them and say, you know, I, I feel like you're unhappy. You know, start with that. I don't, you're not, you're not real happy. What's going on? Um, I, I didn't have a lot of discipline referrals. I mean, the only time you would get a referral to the office in my room would be you did something I had to refer, like if you started a fight or something, you know, that yeah. would be, you have to take action on some things. But just, if they were disruptive or if they said something insulting to me, I didn't just order them out of the room. Mm -hmm. I would talk with them, you know. Um, because if we don't, if we give up on people, as you say in those messy moments, then what's left? Mm-hmm. Because eventually, you're going to have nobody left. There'll be no relationships left because it all gets messy at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. So um, it starts with maybe not giving up on yourself, realizing that you're a wreck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're part of the mess. You're part of the mess. <laughs> and that you need to be able to look at yourself and laugh. Yep. 
and then roll your sleeves up when you need to and work on fixing some of those things with God's mm -hmm. help mm -hmm. and, and, your, and, and your friend's help and your yeah. mentors and your priest and your, you know, be vulnerable with them and say, yeah, I, I do stupid crap. I mean, I'm, you know, I do this and I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm working on it, but, mm. you know. Yeah. I'm insecure in that sense or I'm this or I'm that, whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you, here's the thing I found with students. If you model that with students, they are now no longer in a position of fear where they will fight or flee, mm -hmm. close up or, or come out swinging at you. Mm -hmm. they're, they're disarmed by it. Mm. Your vulnerability is disarming to other people mm. is what I ultimately found. One's ability to be vulnerable and honest and calm and open and reflect on your own issues and say to a student, you know, I'm, I get mad too, you know, and Karen and I have, we fight sometimes and I say things I shouldn't have said. And when I start telling, the, and those are true statements, yeah, but yeah. when I start saying those things, it's disarming to them. Mm. All but the toughest cases responded to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just didn't, I felt like it was my duty to reach them. Mm -hmm. And I do with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, that it's sort of my sense of duty is to be able to communicate effectively and on a, in a real way yeah. with everybody. Do you feel like most of the interactions that you have uh, you meet with on a daily basis are probably in that fear mode, like just continually yes. in that fear yes. mode? Yes, I think before our society you them, is. Not that you create it with you, but that it's just there. Yes. And so... We're all yeah. on edge. We're all very defensive, and and two years of mm -hmm. isolation due to COVID, yeah. and the the bombardment of media, mm -hmm. negative, divisive. Um, yes, there are a lot of bad things happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine is mm -hmm. terrible. I mean, the the situation in Ukraine is horrible. Mm -hmm. It's it's frightening. But we have to realize that here, mm -hmm. right, in this moment, there's, there's nothing that I can do about that at this very moment. I have no reason to be fearful mm -hmm. at this very moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in this engagement, mm -hmm. where I'm engaged here, I need to be engaged here. <laughs> yeah. And not be thinking about all of these things or think whatever it is. I mean, that's just an example. But... I think that, that people are on edge, they're defensive, they, um, they automatically assume that you're after them or that you're you know, trying to get something of them. And, and we all fall victim to that. I mean, I fall victim to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and when I do, I begin, then I really, I, I feel bad, I mean, when I do that. And I know when I've done it. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I know exactly when I've done it. We know when we've been bad. Yeah. We're like students. I mean, we know when we've been bad. Yeah. And then I think, oh, gosh, I mean, mm -hmm. I really shouldn't have behaved that way. Yeah. We often do it with people we love mm -hmm. the most. Yep. Have you yep. noticed this about mm -hmm. you live long enough to see that you, you're, you're your wor often your worst person with the people yeah, absolutely. that you love the most? Yes. And you do it because of the fear of losing them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fear of loss is one of those things. It goes back to that whole abundance mindset. Yeah. If you wake up with a feeling of gratitude for all the gifts and wonders yeah. of this world, a joyful spirit, then you can bring that to. My wife helps me with that. 
Yeah, you yeah. Know, she, she, she's somebody you ought to interview. She, <laughs> she has a deep spiritual inner life. Yes, know? yes. Yeah. So yeah. when you see, it's, 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 it's so encouraging, when you see, when you begin to notice that people are in this, and again, it might just be subconscious in your mind, that see someone's in this fear mode, your, your hope, your response to that is, I need to be vulnerable right now. Yes. I need to create space for them. And it may take a second, it may take a month. Yes. But that's my hope is as I'm interacting with this individual over a period of time, that I'm creating a space for them yes. to not have to fear so that we can go deeper, so that we can recognize one another and then grow from that experience yeah. over and over time. And it's hard so, to do. It is. Especially in the political arena because mm -hmm. there's so many competing pressures and you know, you're, you're one vote. I'm not mm -hmm. even a vote except in the event of a tie. So I don't, yeah. and there's political baggage and background that, that when you're newly elected, you're walking into. Because mm -hmm. these people have served with each other. Only two of us who are new on the city council. Okay, yeah. You know, I'm new as mayor and then Nicole Smith, who is new uh, as a council person. Mm. And the rest of the people on council have uh, a history with each other and mm -hmm. with the former mayor. Yeah. And so there's all this baggage that you, you, you and past that you sort of inherit, you walk into this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And it's difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's challenging to mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Because, so, yeah. So you, so you came on uh, and, and people saw you in such a way that they wanted, they wanted you to be the mayor, right? I mean, a that's lot of kind people, of the, I didn't want to be mayor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could I really didn't tell. Yeah, be, that's, yeah, I mean, I did. So people encouraged you, said, you know, hey, Lee, I, I think you need to do this. I think Nags me. Yeah. And so you, <laughs> you do it, and yeah. here you are. You yeah. are now the for better elected, or for mayor, worse. Yeah. elected mayor. Yeah. Um, and so, so tell me a little bit about, we talked about it on the phone, just this idea of, like, what, what's, what's a mayor's role in, in a city? What, what, what do you feel like? Um, your 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 part in, in this city is well maybe to tell you why I ultimately broke down and did it because um, I think it'll help yeah um, so when Karen and I retired we both taught for thirty years and I, I was tired I mean I, I wouldn't say burned out mm -hmm. but I was ready for something different and I was really thinking oh I'll have all this time. I can read what I want to read. I can go through the, the documents and papers in the family archives and papers, you know, and I can do things in the yard and take care of the house. And we can travel. Because COVID, you know, kind of interrupted yeah, those travel right, yeah. plans a little bit. But we were talking about, you know, pretty extensive travel in Europe, like going and living in Europe for, mm -hmm. for a month or so. And... Um, so, and I, I had a bit, you know, I had kind of an idea of what all that would look like. And Karen's, a, a, she loves to travel. She, yeah. She, you know, she would go all the time. And I did too. And I wanted to go back to Italy. Uh, we took students to Italy and had a wonderful trip. Um, and I would like to spend time in the hill country, Tuscany, Umbria, you know, mm. and, and get to go to Florence and stay for a while and like be able to take the train to Florence and stay and see, yeah. not be rushed, right? Yeah, that's right. not be on the tour bus and be rushed. Just hang out, mm -hmm. soak it up. And? And <laughs> so, so the, yeah, so I, I, I finally graduate from high school. <laughs> you know, I'm in the class of whatever that was, 2020, 
2020, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So I finally graduate from high school, and or 2021. And um, yeah, class, I was in the class of 2021. My students always joked, you know, you think you'll graduate this year, Ms. Kim? No, it's not going to be this year. I, just, I can't quite pass enough credits. To, so, but I finally did. Yeah. So I graduate, and and uh, Karen and I, you know, begin thinking about the next chapter. At the same time, I'm getting you know calls. I'm you know friends. I won't name names, mm -hmm. but they know who they are. But a lot of people began to push me in that direction mm -hmm. and say, you know, you're the natural person for this. You have the background, you know people, you've, you know people across the community because mm -hmm. of course I taught, we taught 30 years in the public schools, yeah. um, uh, predominantly uh, uh, black students. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when I first started teaching, I think the percentage of, of white to black students in Sumter County high schools probably maybe 15 or 20 percent white, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we had a, we were rooted that's right, in yeah. both sides of, of what we call both sides of the community, which I hate mm -hmm. using that because it's one community. Mm -hmm. uh, but as we see things, sadly, in, in because of our history mm -hmm. in a town like this, we're divided. But I kind of bridge, Karen and I kind of bridge that divide. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people saw that well-meaning. I mean, good, well-meaning people were encouraging me to do it, both in the black community and the white community wanting mm -hmm. me to, to run. And I resisted, and I resisted, and I, re I really did. I, I, for a long time, I was saying, no, 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 and people would, you know, stop me in a restaurant and pass me on the street and say, Mr. Mayor, you know, you'll be our new mayor, and, I'll, and I'm, no, you know, I don't want to do this. Well, you know, I wanted to have fun. I wanted to yeah. just not be responsible for anything. I've done a lot of things. I've chaired a lot of boards. I've done, you know, you know mm -hmm. what I've done, you know, all the stuff I've taking charge of. I didn't want to be in charge anymore. Yeah. And because I know that it's, it's a lot of work and for me, because of the way I handle things, I don't go in half-hearted. I mean, for me, it's got to be perfect. It's 110%. I mean, I've got all in mm -hmm. and I want things to be right. Yeah. I want to fix things and, you know, I mean, it's just the nature of my personality for better or for worse. I have to work on some of that. Mm -hmm. So I resisted and resisted. And then, you know, even in our morning prayer, I, you know, Karen and I were watching during this time, Canterbury Cathedral was putting out morning prayer on a YouTube, Facebook mm -hmm. channel. Every morning, Dean Robert Willis, the Dean of Canterbury Cathedral, this wonderful Anglican divine, mm -hmm. you know, doing this great morning prayer, great exegesis, wonderful message every day. And it was all about vocation mm. and not, you know, stories of people doing, following their calling and doing what the God is leading them to doing and discernment and vocation and all of it. It was just like I was being bombarded Yeah. to the point I would cry during morning prayer because, and you know, Karen would look at me and say, it's not easy being Lee, is it? And I said, not right now. Because I knew in yeah. my heart, mm -hmm. I, 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 I felt the call to do this. Yeah. And some people won't believe that, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's true. I mean, I knew I was conflicted. Yeah. I was terribly conflicted. I mean, I knew that my heart told me, 
yes, you, you do have the talent and the abilities and the wherewithal to do this. And you mm -hmm. bridge the racial divide to mm -hmm. a certain extent. I don't want to take too much credit for doing that or, or for having the ability to do that because there are problems with that and thinking that way. But at least I have friendships mm -hmm. and relationships in the black community that, that help me mm -hmm. um, possibly create some unity to be a bridge. Yeah. And I care about these people. I mean, they're not strangers to me. Mm -hmm. They're not, this is not a foreign part of the community to me. Yeah. So I'd, I felt that nagging and there was this pressure that I was putting on myself on the one hand, and then on the other hand, I'm just thinking, I just want to fish, I want to go to the mountains, I don't want to be burdened with all of this. It's messy, it's difficult, it's complex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be, you know, where's the fun in it? Yeah, yeah. I want fun, I want to run away, I want to run away from the problems because, mm -hmm. you know, think about yeah. in the midst of all this, we had the COVID, we have uh, you know, the, the political upheaval, the divisiveness politically, you know, we're yeah. in a highly polarized period in our political life in this country, mm -hmm. and that plays out here. Mm -hmm. And people are, you know, as you said, people are in a, operating in a state of fear, mm -hmm. it's palpable fear. Yeah. You know, it's a difficult time to do this. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to run away. Yeah. But I didn't. And do I have regrets? Um, depends on the day. You know, when times get tough, I, I, I'll whine just with the best of them. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not a saint at all. Yeah. So I'll say, why did I do this? You know, why mm -hmm. did I do this? But usually something happens during the day when I'm in one of those, why did I do that, this moments, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. where, and I don't believe it's by accident. I think there is a rhythm and a, and a, and a meaning behind these encounters and it's, it's God moving through the world. It's yes. the Holy Spirit working through the world. Hmm. So somebody will come in my path or there'll be a phone call or there'll be somebody and the word of encouragement will come when I most need it. Encouraging me. Yeah, wow. You know, saying like, we're, we're glad, you know, we know you're, you're, these are tough things that you're dealing with, but we just want you to know that we're, you know, support you and mm -hmm. I mean, I get that, believe it or not. I know, yeah. and I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for it because the people don't know it mm. comes at the, that very moment when you really were feeling pretty bleak. Yeah, wow. And man, the, you know, it kicks in. Wow. So I have to be grateful to God for those and to mm -hmm. those people who are conduits of God's grace, mm -hmm. who are saying those things to me or just being nice to me. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Just being kind, <laughs> you know, just being good, wow. which I hope I do for, I mean, I try to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I've been encouraged, like I said, just moving into the area and just knowing that you as, as the mayor, um, you have experienced messiness, you've taken yeah. risks, you've been vulnerable, and that moment where you could say, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done being vulnerable, I'm kind of done. Uh, taking risks. I kind of just want to just, <laughs> this is the end of that story. Yeah. You're continuing to fight, uh, but that, that's still costing you. I don't, I don't think we ever can get away from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I perception think is, is I, that we can. Yeah, I thought yeah. that like, yeah. okay, I've done my part. That's right. You know, I mean, I really had, I yeah. mean, I, I still, you know, 
I mean, after all, I've done my part. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've served the community. I've, mm -hmm. I've chaired this. I've been a teacher for all these years. I've helped kids get into college. I mean, I've done all these things. Yep, yep. But God has a way of mm -hmm. determining that next chapter for us, whether we want to be receptive to it or whether we want to tune the radio so that we can get the message or not. I mean, yeah. my station, the dial is always a little off. Yeah. You know, I can hear the broken, broken message and see bits and pieces. Of course, we don't see through the glass clearly, mm -hmm. right? We're, mm -hmm. So, but yeah. here's the thing. When you stop looking, you're going to stop seeing. Mm -hmm. So we have to keep looking. And I guess that's what I was trying to run from was I, I, I didn't want to look at what was, I didn't want to look. Yeah. I wanted to isolate myself, pull back, mm -hmm. retract, you know, pull away. Yep. And yep. comfort and ease. I mean, we, the biblical, you know, story of Moses and he's, you know, with his father-in-law and he's got, he's, he's got a setup, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's been hooked up with a good situation enjoying life, mm -hmm. and then God said, you got to go to Egypt. you got to go back. you got to go to Egypt. Yep. You, you have to go do this. No, why me? Yeah. yeah. No, please not me. Don't make me do that. Mm. You know. Yeah. And we're all in that. We're, we're always there. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. always that resistance, that reluctance. In, in small ways, it's, it, it comes in little bitty ways. Yeah. Right? Just resisting, wanting the easy way, wanting comfort, wanting... And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. We always have to prop up. You have to recharge your batteries, right? Yes, yes, yes. Even Jesus did it, right? Yeah. I mean, he would have to get away mm -hmm. from the crowd. He would leave the crowd and he would have to go and, mm -hmm. and have time for spiritual reflection. I mean, he would commune with the Father, right? Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to do this. You can't stay in the crowd the whole time, and we all know that we have. Yeah. There has to be some, with, you know, time for ourselves. Yeah. But we're not. We have to go back. Yeah, that's right. That's we right. don't. You know, Jesus didn't just pull away and say, "Y'all got this." Yeah. <laughs> Y'all take yeah. care of it. Yeah. Disciples, you handle it. Handle the crowd. Yep. Yeah. So it seems if you know if we were built for deep, meaningful relationships, but it it cost us something. Yeah. We've got to recognize that and accept that and accept yeah. that we're going to be hurt. And when we are, yes, that we're able to, like, for example, like you mentioned, sometimes the hurt just comes from, you know, not, not being, uh, taking yourself too seriously. Uh, yeah. But some of it just comes from, that was a deep wound. But what, what we can't do is close ourselves off yes. and become more defensive because the, the false reality is, is that's going to keep me safe, but it really doesn't. No. It makes the situation worse, and it makes you harder of a person to build relationships, that fight-or-flight yes. mode. Um, but well, and you can't receive divine love mm -hmm. if your heart has hardened, so there, there, it's, it becomes impenetrable. Yeah. And wow. I'm referring now to the mm -hmm. section Agape, mm -hmm. um, C.S. Lewis's Four Loves, which we talked about earlier, and he, he has this wonderful passage where he says, you know, you surround yourself with little distractions and hobbies and you know we do it we harden ourselves to the world through um, what appear to be rather benign activities they're not immoral in and of themselves activities little hobbies little distractions travel 
all of these things to distract us um, from engaging yep. and being vulnerable. So you harden yourself. Mm -hmm. And then he says in the end, you know, you, you create this coffin for yourself where you, your, your heart can't be broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, if, if love for, for our fellow human beings, if love, if the cost of love, the price of love is a broken heart, mm -hmm. he says, then so be it. Mm. Yeah. And that is the cost yeah. of love, yeah. actually. Yeah, absolutely. It's to break us. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's just the way it, yeah. it is. And, and of course, our model for that is Christ himself, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the very model of that. Um, th there is uh, cheap grace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's no yeah. such thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's that's no right. such thing. There's a cost. So what would you say, um, what would you say for an average neighbor, a citizen uh, of Americus, who has experienced brokenness, uh, whether that's through history um, in the past of yeah. Americus or just personal experience, maybe with family dynamics or, or situations. Yeah. Poverty. Yeah. What, what would you say to someone as a means to um, encourage them not to, not to take that fear stance? What, what, what yeah. would that look like? What would it, what would it look like for, the, for those maybe on this side uh, who are not in the fight-or-flight mode, what can we do as neighbors to help our neighborhoods not feel that they have to be in that mode? Know your neighbors. So I go, you know, I often, well, the, the gospel reading this last Sunday um, was, uh, we're on a lectionary, you know, it's a prescribed lectionary for the, so the gospel reading for this past Sunday was the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. So that, that got me thinking you know, of course, I've, I mean, I've studied a bunch of times, but that yeah. got me thinking about our conversation today because mm -hmm. um, this was just a few couple of days ago. And when we look at that, part of the issue, well, the big issue for the lawyer, he's identified as a lawyer in some translations, is to justify himself. Like, well, who is, you know, first of all, what, how, how do I get eternal life? You know, mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the key yeah. to this? What's the... What coin do I put in the machine to That's get right. eternal life? Or is the eternal life coin? What do mm -hmm. I have to do? And Jesus, of course, knows that he's trying to you know, justify. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, goes back to, to the law. You know, love God, love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, who is my neighbor? Mm -hmm. Trying to trip him up. Well, exactly who is my neighbor? And then he lays on him the... Yeah. The great parable of the Good Samaritan. So you have the, the priest and the Levite, mm -hmm. both of whom are in the old tradition of, you know, well, serving in the temple. I mean, a priest and a Levite, right? So, That's right. And they encounter this, what they don't even bother to see if this is a dead body or not, right? Because if it is, they contaminate themselves and it's costly because mm -hmm. then you can't serve in the temple. I mean, you've, you've been defiled by this, you know, dead body. Mm-hmm. The law, the letter of the law. That's right, yeah. The legalistic approach to all of this. And they stand to lose a great deal by engaging mm -hmm. with this dead body. So, or, you know, whoever yes. in the ditch. And they're on, you know, the road to, to uh, Jericho is a dangerous road. I mean, that's not, that's mm -hmm. no joke. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. Historically, yeah. it, was a, it was a dangerous trip. Mm -hmm. And then along comes, well... Augustine would say, in, in looking at it allegorically, it would be, you know, Jesus is the Good Samaritan, mm -hmm. right? 
and an allegorical interpretation mm -hmm. of that parable. Uh, others don't necessarily interpret it that way. Uh, John Calvin, of course, had a different approach mm -hmm. to it, more of an ethical, moral interpretation. But just looking at the story, it's pretty clear that we are called, well, Jesus gives the command at the end, go and do likewise. Mm -hmm. The Greek, the literal, is like uh, something like uh, depart from here or depart and you yourself perform the same. Mm. It's not a very elegant, but yeah. it's a literal translation. Yeah. You mm -hmm. yourself perform the same. Perform, do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not recite, mm -hmm. not go to church. Nothing wrong with going to church, by the way. But yeah. don't, you know, don't think that you can, through these ritualistic actions or through the, that you in some way can save yourself, mm -hmm. that this is the, that transactional thing that you can put the coin in the machine and mm -hmm. achieve eternal life. No, he's very clear. I mean, it's, it's one of those places where Jesus says, no, depart and you yourself perform the same. Mm -hmm. Go yeah. and do likewise. Yeah. Yeah. Go and do. Not stay here with me. Mm -hmm. Go mm -hmm. and do likewise. You yeah. see what the, the situation was here. This Samaritan uh, comes up and with, with a, a Jew in the ditch, yeah. enemies, sworn enemies, mortal enemies, mm -hmm. and seeing each other as unfit, unclean, unwanted, mm -hmm. and yet a relationship develops. Yeah. Yes. And it's not transactional, actually. Mm -hmm. It's... Um, sacrificial. It, it's, it's sacrificial. Yeah. It's, and this is why, of course, allegorically you see the, the, the uh, early church, you know, Augustine mm -hmm. seeing it as an allegorical, in a sense, of Jesus himself is mm -hmm. acting as this Samaritan who's saying, yeah. You know. yeah. So who's That's the good. neighbor here? You know, mm -hmm. Jesus says, well, obviously, the one who shows mercy. Mm-hmm. The, the translations vary, but the one who shows mercy. And that has to be us. Yeah, yes. And, and nothing about that story is easy or cheap, or if you look at the historical context in particular and you, you study it, then you realize, oh my, this was called, why did the priest and the Levite run away from Yeah, from, yeah. Because it was going to cost them. Fear, mm -hmm. fear. Yes. Fear, mm -hmm. right? And here's the Samaritan doing what Jesus would do and doing what Jesus says we have to do. Mm -hmm. Pick him up, put him on your, on your uh, donkey horse. Yeah. Get him to the end, pay for him. Mm -hmm. What is it, two denarii, I think. You know, yeah. Which was a good bit of money, right? Mm -hmm. This was expensive. Yeah. And all of it is giving, it's sacrificial, it is. It's a, mm -hmm. sacri it's a story of uh, sacrificial love. Wow, wow. And no transaction, no pay it forward, just, mm -hmm. just do That's it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do I it because it's the right thing to do. And here's the thing, it's joyful. Mm -hmm. So where, do we, where, where does a happy life come from? That. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What makes you feel? So yeah. like the other day I went to the Juneteenth celebration. Right, and the fellow who was putting it on, Reverend George, uh, uh, Eugene Edge, was just so appreciative. He said, you know, I'm just so grateful you stayed through the whole thing and you, you know, you, you, 
And he was thinking, you know, it was, it was kind of an inconvenience for me, I guess, or what. And I told him, I said, this was joyful. Mm. I love being here. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the program. I enjoyed the music. I really enjoyed being there. I got a lot out of it. Yeah. Now, did I have to go as mayor to do a proclamation? Yeah, the official act of the mm -hmm. mayor was leave my house and go, mm -hmm. and it was really hot, mm -hmm. and go to the Jackson Street Depot and read the proclamation and you know, participate. Mm -hmm. And I could have walked on home. I could have left, yeah. but I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a sacrifice for me mm -hmm. because I was having a, a good time. It was joyful. Yeah. And I think if we open ourselves in situations like that, where it, maybe it is foreign to you, maybe a Juneteenth celebration is something that's maybe not necessarily the most comfortable thing for you to attend. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're the only one of your race attending that. I wasn't there. The police chief was there and there were a couple of other uh, white citizens who were there. Yeah. But it was a predominantly black event, as you would expect. Or maybe we shouldn't expect that. Maybe a better way to look at it is to expect a full community participation in the Juneteenth mm -hmm. celebration. Mm -hmm. I do, I think. But, and I would tell people, go because you'll enjoy it. Go because it is joyful. Go because you will learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I get it. You have to open yourself to that. Mm -hmm. You do yeah. have to be a bit vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people who would be afraid to go to that for a host of reasons. Yeah. So, you know, um, overcome those fears. Takes courage. I think that's a word. You know, at the end of our uh, post uh, Eucharistic prayer in the in the um, Episcopal Church, one of the lines is, "Give me strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Send us now into the world mm. with strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart." And it takes strength and courage to do what we have to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. Courage, you have to be, you have to overcome some of those fears. If you're a little afraid about what it's gonna be like to go to the Juneteenth celebration where you may be the only one of your race, mm -hmm. and I would say the same of African Americans coming mm -hmm. to a predominantly white celebration in our community or whatever it is, take a, you know, Chill a little bit. Take, don't be so paranoid about it. Realize that you'll probably have a good time. Get yeah. over the fear. Come participate. Yeah. Talk yeah. to folks. Yeah. That's the way we'll do this. Mm -hmm. That's the way that we can build unity. Mm -hmm. And if I can do anything as mayor to get people to encourage people, first of all, know your neighbors in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Go up to events. Show up at events. Mm -hmm. Show up. Participate. Mm -hmm. come to the events, whether you, you know, a lot of people in the black community say, well, that's a white event. People in the white community say that's a black event. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing. It's an event. Mm -hmm. Juneteenth was an event. Yes, I'm a white mayor. <laughs> I, I was perfectly received, loved. Of course, I taught, you know, a lot of the people who were there, I'd had relationships with them through the schools, mm -hmm. either co-workers or students or former students or parents or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they will embrace everybody. They've treated everybody that way. It, yeah. was, it was the wonderful, joyful, loving event. And mm -hmm. I had a great time. And it was a deep honor to be able to present that proclamation. Yeah. Wow. I really do mean that. And it would be the same, I would say the same to in the black community. Come to, let's say, for example, the Lee Council House for a history talk. Mm -hmm. 
um, which is a, it has predominantly has been a white organization. It's integrated now, but it's a, you know, historically been a white organization. Mm. Let's build a little courage, come yeah. participate, and, and you'll be surprised at how much fun you have. Yeah, yeah. Joyful events, yeah. you know. And the more, the more that uh, you continue to, to have that vulnerability and continue to take those risks, you know, hopefully, and others do it the same, uh, you know, understanding where it comes from, you have to be in a state where you're not in fight or flight. Yes. So that you can give that out to others. Yes. And so, and that requires inner work. Yeah. So yeah. this goes back to my own faith life. My, my, my faith journey, mm -hmm. my spiritual development is important and formative in my role as mayor. You need me to pray. Mm -hmm. You want to encourage me. Yeah. You know, Lee, did you have you, have you prayed this morning? You know, or pray with me, or mm -hmm. pray for me. Yeah. You, the community needs to understand. I need that. Mm -hmm. I have to do that for myself. I do it for other people. I encourage mm -hmm. it. But it's important when I get up in the morning to get my head straight. Mm -hmm. You know, I I pray traditional prayers mm -hmm. like the Our Father, of course and others that are, that are written and traditional within the tradition of the Book of Common Prayer, the liturgy that yeah. we use in our church. But I also pray simple things like, you know, when I get up, thank you. Mm -hmm. I have another day and it's a beautiful day and I listen to a bird maybe singing. I think this is wonderful and my cat Willie will jump on the bed and you know nuzzle me and all that and i'm i feel warmth and gratitude for those i i like little things like that yeah little things can make me really happy yeah yeah simple things the cup of coffee i smell brewing that karen's gotten up and yeah fixed for me i mean little bitty things we've got to look mm -hmm. at the little bitty things mm -hmm. and be grateful for those things because none of that's it's good. guaranteed yeah that's the good. fact that i wake up breathing is that's not you know that i wake up at all right yeah that's right <laughs> so that's i wake right. up and i'm grateful Start with gratitude, and then ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Step two, after I do that, is, you know, I don't deserve any of this, mm -hmm. and yet it's all given to me. It's a wonderful gift, but help me be a better person today. Mm -hmm. Where right. I messed up yesterday, and you think about the things. If I was cross with someone, or if I misjudged someone, or if I acted out of fear, mm -hmm. help, help me you know, be better. Forgive me for what I've done. That's good. And I will seek forgiveness today. If I've offended someone, I'm going to be intentional about asking for forgiveness. That's good. And then the third part, give me strength and courage mm -hmm. to love and serve you with gladness of singleness. I say that line yeah. a lot mm -hmm. outside the post-communion prayer. We say yeah. it every Sunday, of course, after communion. But I say, you know, please give me, you know, mm. courage, <laughs> strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Singleness of heart. Not to be conflicted, but to, to serve you courageously. Give me the strength to do it. That's good. It won't that's be good. perfect. That's right. But it's not going to be anything without yeah. you. Yeah, it that's right. It will be absolutely nothing mm. without you. So if I do, I do that a lot, and I will say that same little mental prayer in my head a lot of times when I'm in a situation. Mm -hmm. council meetings somebody's talking and it's it's divisive or it's combative or there's tension you know thank you God for allowing me to be here to use my gifts mm -hmm. you know forgive me 
for if I have done anything that, that harms you, that harms this situation that does not further the kingdom. And give me strength to do what's needed in this moment. That's good. You know, just real quick. Yeah, that's really good. Real quick. Thank you. I'm yeah. sorry. Help me. That's good. Thank you. I'm sorry. Help, <laughs> Help me. me. I love it. <laughs> so anyway. But right. I have to do that because if not, um, I won't be worth a plug. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's encouraging. And I think that, you know, as as people listen, especially those in Americus, and they see that this is, you know, a, a voice in our community, uh, a large voice in our community that if we can pattern that, our neighbors will feel safer and be able to build relationships deeper. Yeah. So go to your neighbor and take them a pot of banana pudding or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. seriously, it's in small yeah. things. Absolutely. Pick up some trash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, um, Bill Crinson, somebody we meet on the way to church periodically, we'll be walking and we'll, our paths will cross. He goes to the Presbyterian church, we go to the Episcopal church. And he's all, he always has a garbage or a, a Walmart bag or a grocery bag, and mm -hmm. he's picking up trash all along the way mm. and putting trash in the, in the bag. Yeah. And I told him the other day, I said, you are a, you are a wonderful citizen. Mm -hmm. This is the model that we all need to follow. It's a small thing. It's a very small thing. Mm. Yeah. And yet it is big. It's powerful. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Little things. All right. Well, uh, Lee, I want to, to leave this podcast with a couple uh, rapid fire questions um, just to leave you <laughs> with. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, I heard that you are a trivia person. And so uh, if you had to pick three a members. A trivial person? Or no, a trivia. <laughs> a trivia. Trivia. Some might say like, I'm like a trivial like, person. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, pick three members to be on your trivia team. From our community? No, well, just anybody. If you could pick anybody to be on your trivia team, oh. who, would you, who would you pick? Um, let me think. I don't know. I'd want someone, uh, uh, someone like George Will or somebody like that, an intellect, you know, a, a writer, an intellectual, um, somebody who would know, you know. Uh, let's see, another person. Uh, pop culture. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I would need someone like, and, and, and I'm, I'm not necessarily a big fan, but somebody like Ellen DeGeneres or somebody <laughs> who, you know, knows pop or, or Jimmy Fallon, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I would think Jimmy Fallon would be a good, be a you know, because he knows pop culture. Yeah. Right. And then you need a sports guy. Um, let me think. I'm trying to think who would be. Oh, I don't know. One of my one of my younger friends, like Matt McKenzie. He lives here in town. He's nice. in sports, or his brother. Yeah. 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 Just um, rocking it. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you got to have a sports. Yeah. Got to have person. it. Person. Got to uh, have. And it. so I would. Yeah, yeah. I would have an egghead, and you need a you need a pop culture person mm -hmm. who's got his finger on the heartbeat of the or the pulse of pop culture and then you need a sports person yeah so, i yeah. love it i yeah. love it okay uh favorite movie or book you've watched or read recently um well a movie that we watched just recently um i'm in the middle of a charles frazier book but i won't i'm not ready to talk about that i'm reading it mm -hmm. right now but um cold mountain was his big you know the one that he was got a lot of attention for, but this is another one of his books. Um, the, um, the movie I would say would be um, Elvis, believe it or nice. not. 
Nice. I have not got a chance to watch that. Just well, we watched it in Savannah. Karen and I okay. were in Savannah for a, a Georgia Municipal Association meeting. And one night, we didn't have a, a, an event to do or whatever. We had a night off and went to see the movie in one of those great theaters with the recliners. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where I was thinking I might need my CPAP because, <laughs> because I'll start right. snoring or whatever. Yes, the mayor uses a CPAP, yeah, so I'm sorry right. to... You know, to crush you about that, <laughs> but yeah, I have. But anyway, okay, um, it's a great movie. Yeah, that's great. You talk about passion. Um, the the fellow who plays Elvis, an incredible performance. Mm. Yeah, truly incredible. Yeah. I need I need to go watch it. Uh, yeah, very soon. powerful movie. All right, uh, what secret about the universe would you most want to learn? <laughs> secret about the universe. Um, I, I would want to understand time. Mm. I would want to have time explained to me. Wow. That's good. That's good. It, it really messes with me, the whole concept of time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The eternal now. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept mm -hmm. of the eternal now, but that mm -hmm. all time actually collapses past, present, and future into this moment. Yeah. That this is all that actually ever is real or it really exists. The past doesn't exist. The future doesn't exist. This, the eternal now is all we have. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I get that in a way, yeah. but I, I want to I unlock the mystery of time. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be amazing. All right, last question. Yeah. All right, so I just moved into Americus, and I'm, I'm from Albany, and so you have Albanians. So what, what are people in Americus called? This is just like a... <laughs> I, I kind of just personally want to know, like, is there, is there an official name for someone who's from a Crazy? Americas? No. Crazy. <laughs> yes. No. Uh, just kidding. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no. Uh, Americusers. Americusers. I've seen that. I mean, okay. that, that's, a, his, All right. that's been used in our okay. earlier history. I think, it, you know, it was used to describe a merry, a merry, a merry band of cusses. That's right. Americusers. Yeah. Cussers. Yeah. 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 Um, so That's yeah, awesome. Americusers, I guess. All right. Well, I have, I have, I have one to put in the vote uh, if there is ever going to be a vote. Okay. Um, so, and this is not an original idea, but um, the the word Americusian. How does that feel to oh, you? Americusian. How do you like that? That sounds more European, doesn't it? That has a. Has it like does a, have a very European. They're Americusians. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. All right. I don't know All right. That. Well, I pitched it. Um, yeah. So if it ever comes back around, we'll see. We'll so, see. You'll know um, it's because I put it in the hat. A book that I would recommend, I do want to go back to that. Okay. Because there is a very good book. It's been out for a little bit, but it's an um, African-American writer, a woman in Louisiana, Mississippi. I think she teaches at um, Tulane, I think, is where she is. Um, Jasmine Ward, and the name of the novel is Sing, Unburied, Sing. Okay. It's a very fine piece of writing, and mm. uh, she's a Southern writer, you know, grew up in the, in, on the coast. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, and comes from that tradition, that background, but it's a fine piece of writing, and it, um, it explores in a contemporary context a lot of very important issues, I think. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, she was influenced by William Faulkner a good bit, and um, 
I think the, the novel As I Lay Dying was an inspiration to her, which, you know, if you haven't read Faulkner, you need to read Faulkner. <laughs> You'll help you understand yeah. the South. Where did you grow up yeah. in the North? Where were you from? You? My, my parents are from Minnesota, Wisconsin area, okay. yeah. but yeah. I was born in Germany, military. Oh, oh military. So, so mm -hmm. you're a citizen of the world. Uh, yeah, a little yeah. bit. A little bit. Yeah. So. That's a good thing yeah. to be. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, South Georgia. Uh, and like you said, kind of an insider-outsider kind of thing. Yeah. So, so, but Do you think place matters? I think it helps. Yeah, I think it's one of the building blocks mm -hmm. uh, of, of who we are. Yeah. And I think that, I think that uh, if, we, we, if we can recognize that we have all been compromised in some way, mm -hmm. uh, it helps us to, to realize that we have been kind of in a bubble, and it's good to see what's outside of it so that you can appreciate uh, what you've learned, but also be willing to, to, to look out. So yeah. we so have yeah. to live out our lives in, in a particular place. There's mm -hmm. a particularity to living out our lives, our faith journey, but our yeah. lives. And, it, and it's lived out in the particular, not mm -hmm. the abstract. Yeah. Um, and so I do value place mm -hmm. and believe that place does matter. The history of this place matters. Yes, yeah. It informs where we are and what we're doing right now mm -hmm. in the present. And it, it has a bearing on the future, of course. Yeah. And, and who we are as a people is shaped by this place. Mm. Our geography matters. Yeah. Yes, our, absolutely. Our history matters. Yeah. And, of course, I, I would say that. I mean, I taught it for mm -hmm. 30 years. Yeah. But I actually believe it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do believe that we need to know more yeah. about who we are and where we came from. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. So place matters. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed uh, it. Lee, thank you for yeah. coming and for sharing uh, your story. And and I'm your guinea pig. I'm the first of your interviews, I guess. You Well, you're the second, but I mean, we are still very fresh into this. So okay. I well, am, I'll take really, second. Yeah, I'll take second, right? <laughs> I am second, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, and I look forward to... Uh, more interactions with you and also just yeah. just seeing our city uh, enjoy one another and and trust one another yep. by being vulnerable so and thank you I that. appreciate the fact that you're giving us a chance mm -hmm. that you had faith in this place you saw something good here mm. opportunities possibilities fertile ground maybe mm -hmm. and you chose us mm. and we're grateful to you for doing it because I think y'all are gonna make a great addition and you have a house here yeah. on, in the historic district, and I mean, you're an answer to a prayer. <laughs> you are. Yeah. You're an answer to a prayer. You're, you're people that we want to encourage to come here. Yeah. Because this is a good place. Yeah. It's a great place. Yeah. Sound like a mayor now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Sure.